Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. What's on the cut, Well, you're going to find out coming up at 7.45 this morning. Also still ahead, no quit in Nikki Haley. Fundraisers out the wazoo over the next month before she gets to South Carolina. We will get to those details. Also, absurdity coming out of the mouth of Rachel Maddow. And also, the little back and forth continues between Kaylee McEnany of Fox News and Donald Trump. We'll get to that as we roll on this morning as well. But before we get to all of that, there's a lot in the news, including convicts on the loose. As we get to the great Don Stenzel in round number two at 7.01. Yes, and good morning this Thursday morning, January 25th. 47 degrees, rainy, foggy, cloudy, full forecast just ahead this morning. And in Kellen Company News Live, we are sponsored by Piazza Auto Group. Let's get to it because we do have some new details as U.S. Marshals have joined in that search along with Philadelphia police as they search for a suspect, a murder, an escaped murder suspect who is considered dangerous. So the warning's going out as they still search for this guy. He's identified as 17-year-old Shane Pryor, who court records show was being held on charges of murder, conspiracy, as well as firearms offenses. So they're searching for him. Initially last night, if you saw that initial alert go out, there was an alert that they were looking for a stolen blue Ford F-150 pickup truck in connection to the case, and they were releasing the Pennsylvania tags Sources are now saying that's no longer a focus of the investigation. So obviously they, they think he's ditched the truck. Mm-hmm. But it appears that um, in, in this case, uh, this juvenile suspect, un, not handcuffed, not shackled in any way, was being transported to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, was not in the hospital. That was wrongfully misreported early on this happened in the parking lot never made it into the emergency room area was out in the parking lot and escaped those two escorts no handcuffs nothing of that nature within an hour or so that's when they say somebody came and picked up this suspect 17 years old so his picture is everywhere the picture of when he was 14 when he so he's been in a juvenile center they say since he's 14 so this Murder happened, obviously, years ago. Mm-hmm. He's now 17, but fairly recently, within the past couple of weeks, he was um, held over for trial, and they determined in the courts he would be tried as an adult. Mm-hmm. So that's a new development that they're thinking, perhaps. Was the, the reason why he tried yeah, to flee? the motivation. Yeah. But the question is, if somebody picked him up, how was that coordinated? And so they said that he was being brought there for some kind of a hand injury. So transported from the Juvenile Justice Center to Children's Hospital of uh, Philadelphia. So those in the ER, et cetera, I know there was concern about people at CHOP. He was never in CHOP. Okay. So that, that was never, nor do, nor do they have any evidence that he has a firearm or any kind of weapon. Mm-hmm. But he vanished. <laughs> Unbelievable. So he was, they, they initially said university you know, around uh, University Avenue, so 34th and Spruce, mm-hmm. to University Avenue and Civic Center. That's where he was, but he could be anywhere. At this do they point. have Do they have a physical description, height, weight? I mean, I'm just trying to picture, like, is this guy a physically imposing presence where he overpowered two juvenile detention yeah. workers? Five seven, five one, seven, five five foot seven. They're saying uh-huh. maybe uh, one one fifty one to uh, one seventy. He's a little turd. He's a Cavalcante. So, 
So not a oh, taller geez. than Cavalcante. Oh, that's right. He was a little like, taller. He yeah, was Cavalcante like was like five four, right? <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. so petite. Yeah, maybe Cavalcante had other reasons for being transferred. Right. You know. <laughs> well, and the other guy, the the serial burglar guy, he was small too. That got yeah. loose, right? Wasn't he like five two? Remember, we were making jokes about, you know, he was just blending in with uh, a bunch of little people. He's showing up at little schools. Well, to your point, Nick, uh, what happens to sweet, fine, young, petite things when they go into a tougher prison? Yeah. And they're a petite guy. Yeah. I mean, no, seriously, that could be a motivation. They make statements like this. I have a full mustache and beard. (laughs) But uh, they're asking they're asking that anybody who thinks they see him, he is considered dangerous. So that warning going out tips can be called into one eight seven seven wanted two. they're confident they're going to catch him, which is why his family, his court appointed attorney, they've all said, turn yourself in. Uh, we you know, they were prepared for trial and they said, let let a jury decide your fate. Not the streets. This is actually perfect timing for the return of John Walsh on America's Most Wanted on Fox Nation. It's true, yeah. We're going to call up Mr. Walsh and send him to Philadelphia. <laughs> He's on the case. Indeed. Volunteers canvassing cities across the country last night and into this morning, including Philadelphia. It's a huge effort that happens every year to count the homeless population. It's under the umbrella of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, which actually requires a, quote, point-in-time count, and that helps local officials make informed decisions on things like budgeting and advocacy for, for part of this community that is in need. So it, it is believed that given uh, the economy, tough economy right now, given the fact that we have shelters that they say uh, are burgeoning, and given many other issues, our veterans, our homeless veterans issues which have been heightened during these tough times so they believe those numbers are going to go up considerably i'll point out to you that the largest number of homeless people in shelters right now as i speak are children school-aged children and a lot of people don't realize that so it affects the schools and school budgeting all of that so they've they've been out until the the wee hours of this morning and we don't have the latest on the count obviously but again not just philadelphia the entire country does this Mm -hmm. and so I will be curious to see what is going on in in Norristown in Montgomery County. Sure. So we'll we'll talk about that moving forward. Um, other news of the day: we've talked about Amazon-owned Ring. It's going to stop allowing police departments to request doorbell camera footage from users, and this marks an important end to a feature that has drawn a lot of criticism from privacy advocates. So Ring made this announcement: it's the they're going to stop the request for assistance tool that allows those police departments and other public safety agencies to receive the video captured by the doorbell cameras through Ring's Neighbors app. So they'll still have to, they'll still get it, but they will have to subpoena this. And perhaps this helps out Ring and Amazon avoid any kind of civil lawsuits. Sure. Right. So that's, that's, that one's going on. And you have one of these as well, right? I do. I will simply say that if, you know, and I've had police ask me for, you know, for that if they because of um, burglaries and that sort of thing. So you can still you as the owner, Mm -hmm. if you volunteer this, you can still give it up. Okay, this is just ring and Amazon saying they're not going to have this little feature that that just streamlines it. Right, right. 
but the cops can still the detectives can if they're if there's something going on mm-hmm. they can go door to door and say hey we see you have a ring doorbell can can you just send it you can email like i could email right now i could email a little video of buddy coming in <laughs> you know 4 30 we carry him up the steps you know 4 30 in the morning you know what i mean yeah so you can you can easily email or text that i got you so it, i think it's it's just a technicality, really, even though it's making this big national news All right. that we got that going on. Um, there's there's so much else. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to parse. And I'm just going locally here. I did want to get to the story that's making national news because one of our Philadelphia Flyers, a, a starter, Carter Hart, is on indefinite leave of absence as the Flyers travel to Detroit. It's not a home. It's not a home matchup here, but they're in Detroit tonight. Um, and so the Flyers will be absent Carter Hart. This is amid these these um, sex assault type allegations against multiple um, hockey players. And this would date back to when Carter Hart actually was a young, basically a JV, a, a junior player. He wasn't even a, a, a major player or a famous person on the scene. Mm-hmm. This dates back six years ago. Yeah. I just hope that everybody in social media land lets this play out in the courts before we rush to judgment. Remember, we just had that story about, a what, a month ago with the punter from the Bills whose career was basically derailed by these false allegations um, and he's trying to get his career back after the lady that claimed whatever she claimed, it was proven not to be true. So I just, you know, I always try to just wait until all the facts come out before we just, um, you know, impale somebody and try to end their career. You do. <laughs> I do. But you do. We do. But not everybody feels that way. No, I know. So. Right. Um, so the, a lot, there are a lot of new laws and I know it's a controversial situation, but there are all these laws that we've talked about where they're, they have expanded the timeline mm-hmm. by which somebody can make an allegation. And so that makes it t- tougher in the courts mm-hmm. because there's not perhaps tangible evidence. That's true. Witnesses. So I know we've talked a lot about that. Uh, city council, Philadelphia city council has a lot on the docket on this first day for the new council, a lot of newbies and a new look. And so the success or failure of, you know, both the, uh, the 17 member legislative and newly elected mayor, Sherelle Parker, you think about this as they have a lot on their plate and a lot of promises. New council president, Kenyatta Johnson leading uh, a lot of rookies, a lot of newcomers. The majority of the members, 12 have served only a single term or less. So think about that. We have so in, uh, uh, maybe on one side you think, okay, this is a fresh slate and we don't have the old guard. But on the other hand, we have a lot of new, you know, rookies. And so we hope they don't make rookie mistakes during this time. But it's the first time that the new session, new city council, everybody's meeting and that's going on today. So we're watching that very carefully. One of the headlines that I liked was St. Nick lost his halo, but is keeping his job. Speaking about. <laughs> embattled Eagles coach, head coach Nick Sirianni returns for a fourth season. I, I know the they held, held the news conference, but uh, Jeff Lurie decided apparently not to fire Sirianni, give him yep. one more shot. And they've uh, hired a new defensive coordinator yesterday. They grabbed the uh, Dolphins defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. So, do you like Vic? Nick? I do. Well, Victor's my middle name, so I'm biased. Oh my gosh. Yes. So You're Nick Vic? That's correct. That was actually a nickname of mine in high school, Nick, Nick Vic. Vic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Vic Fangio, uh, older gentleman, longtime defensive coordinator, very good. Um, it will be an absolute upgrade for the Eagles. So 
We're on the we're on the comeback trail here, Dawn. Okay, but let me ask you this: since you said that the new Vic, the lesser Vic, the lesser Vic, because you're the top Nick Vic, I, some so would say the le- so the so is he though teed up? In other words, if he's experienced, then if Nick Sirianni is the sort of like, well, if he doesn't work out, can he be we'll the just head coach? Promote Vic, he, he was, be a head coach. He was he was given one chance a few years ago and he failed. Okay, he, he's a he's a coordinator. He's a lifer. He's he's not a head coach. Okay, yeah. So not a threat. No, not a threat. Not a threat to democracy either. But hopefully a threat to opposing quarterbacks. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I like this. Vic Nick, Fangio. I love I love that we just learned that you're Nick Vic. That's correct. I love it. Nicholas Victor is my birth certificate. I love it. Yeah. Um so uh we gotta talk I I will get to um the forecast because we do have this foggy weather, a lot of fender benders out there and some rough going and um some power outages in Philadelphia. I don't know if there are down trees, but we're hearing about that. So Hundreds uh, without power because of something going on in parts of Philadelphia, the Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So I'll point that out. 48 degrees, showers right now. The high today, we're going up to 53 degrees. Occasional rain likely, and that continues through this afternoon. So it looks like as I look at the hourly and they're constantly updating this, we could have a break. And so this afternoon, we might have a, a break where it seems like a nice afternoon and certainly mild and spring-like as we go through the day. But we're in for, for a major warm-up. Tomorrow morning, when we come in, fog and rain, so be safe as you make your way in. However, tomorrow looks to be a quite a lovely afternoon as we near 60 degrees. And then for your Saturday, looking lovely. So low to mid-50s, depending on where you are in the region, but sunny skies for your Saturday. And then Sunday, we drop back down to the low to mid-40s and some precipitation. So tomorrow afternoon, quite lovely. Saturday, the best day of the week. It's going to feel like spring, Nick Vick. This is, we have to call it Nick Vick (laughs) News. (laughs) Sometimes I just reveal too much information on this program. That's a me problem. Uh, But we have to talk about, and and Nick Vick loves Piazza as we all love Piazza, the Piazza Auto Group. They've been very good to us, and we feel safe as we drive in to work into our Hondas. But let's talk about Piazza as we thank our sponsor this morning because Piazza Auto Group at Piazza Hon- uh, Hyundai of Pottstown and Westchester get 0%. And this 0% is unheard of, let's just say. Get 0% APR, 36 months on the new 2023 Santa Fe 2024 Tucson for a limited amount of time, shop online today, PiazzaHyundai.com. Thank you, Piazza Auto Group. Sorry, Nick, Vic. I was a little distracted because they've got flashlights and tools and stock in the studio. Okay, can we wrap this a little up, please? Distracted. We really have to get the break. They're drilling in there. Drill, baby, drill. <laughs> All right, you done with your sponsor? I did. I was wrapping it up. Uh, He's just making like sure. snippy. Just making sure. 7.15 as we continue. We have to get to this on the other side. There is no quit in Nikki, and there is an unbelievable amount of money that has just poured in since her loss on Tuesday night. No quit Nikki. Next with Nick Vick here on Kalen Company. Stay right there. And then there were four if you've been watching the NFL playoffs. From the sidelines, there's still time to get in on the game with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. It's America's number one sports book. 
New customers bet this Sunday's conference championship games with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens minus 3.5 and and the San Francisco 49ers at minus 7. If you want to follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. I love the FanDuel app. Get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just go to FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg to join today. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 1210WPHT. Make every moment more with FanDuel. An official sports book partner of the NFL. 21 and over, President PA. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. It's Kale and Company on demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company, what's on the cut sheet just about 22 minutes from now? 855-839-1210. On social media at 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us on YouTube. Okay, so no quit in Nikki Haley. I'm telling you what, she is an ATM. It's unbelievable the amount of money since Tuesday. I mean, we're not even 48 hours removed from her loss in the New Hampshire primary. And Nikki Haley has raised another million dollars in less than 48 hours. And we we talked about it, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And we were trying to figure out on the calendar when Nikki will eventually um, suspend her campaign, endorse Donald Trump. And we can get to general election season. Uh, we are 29 days away from the South Carolina primary. Of course, that'll be on February 24th. Super Tuesday is March 5th. But Nikki Haley has not only raised a million dollars since Tuesday, she has also scheduled uh, a dozen fundraisers before that South Carolina primary, which is under a month away from now. Um, So this is courtesy of the New York Post. They say, despite a punishing loss in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley has nearly a dozen fundraisers scheduled between now and the South Carolina primary, and insiders are now wondering how many of these shindigs will actually happen. I, I have no reason to think at this point in time, even though the writing is on the wall, based on the way Nikki has kind of said, I'm in it for the long haul, and, you know, the New Hampshire primary was the first primary. It was not the last primary. Looking at this schedule, it doesn't look like she's closing up shop and taking her ball and going home anytime soon. She's got fundraisers lined up on January 30th in New York City with billionaires including Leonard Stern, Cliff Asness, Stanley Druckenmiller, Ken Langorn, Henry Kravis co-hosting an event. On February 6th, she's going to be in Silicon Valley with mogul Tim Draper. Uh, Then on February the 15th, she's slated to be in Dallas with a real estate tycoon. Elsewhere, she's scheduled for fundraisers in Greenville, South Carolina, to Houston, to San Antonio. On down the list, you add them up. Um, I don't see her closing up shopping, folding up her tent anytime soon, which is really remarkable. I think she's delaying the inevitable, no question about it. But man, a lot of people just love throwing away money, I guess. Because it doesn't look like she's ready to quit. And she's being bankrolled. <laughs> she is. And I think until the money runs out, she stays in. Here's what here's what I believe that she is waiting for. That uh, ruling on uh, Trump being removed from the ballots. Because remember, that is still... That is, that is um, probably going to get kicked up to the Supreme Court. Um, 
because I think both uh, both the other courts are going to rule in favor of the states, Maine and Colorado, and I think there's one more. Um, so I think that if the Supreme Court rules against Trump on that, mm-hmm. th- that I think that that is something like that might be what she's waiting for. But I alluded to that yesterday, Greg, that that's why even if she suspended her campaign, Good point. she could still be brought back. So, you know, I just think the yeah. money is the issue. If Because even if the money is running out and she suspends, she could still... Yeah. She could still bring it back. Which doesn't that make? Because I was going to say the same thing. Doesn't that make DeSantis the smarter guy then, in theory? Because he says, "Okay, I'm suspending my campaign. We're not wasting any more money, any more people of you know our campaign people, their their time, their resources. We suspend it now, and maybe DeSantis has the same mindset." You know, behind closed doors, that if somehow, some way, Trump is removed from a ballot, which I, I mean, you look down the list so far, all of these states, for the most part, have been rejected in, in court, and you know, Trump is back on the ballot. I, I don't believe this is just my opinion. If I had to bet, I don't think the Supreme Court will rule against Donald Trump in that regard, removing him from the ballot. So I, I think it's a moot point. But at least DeSantis is saying, you know what? Let's stop the bleeding here financially, right? Nikki Haley's doing the opposite. She's still spending, and she's going to keep on spending, and she's going to keep on having these donors that set these fundraisers up. Although Fox News just had a headline about 20 minutes ago that a major GOP donor, billionaire donor, has told Nikki Haley to drop out. I didn't see who the name was. I don't even know if they revealed the source of who that was, but one of the major, major players in the game financially has told Nikki Haley that it's uh it's a wrap you should give it up so yeah and you look at so up next is i mean first of all with regard to the supreme court i i i think they're gonna they're gonna go with the constitution yep and so ultimately that's just that i think with nevada that goes and nevada's primary is a weird it's uh, very quirky to look at double dipper on february 6th and 8th but it's 36 delegates and you know i i think that they all go to trump so i i just it's a primary and a caucus. Yeah, so I think um, on this, I I just think it, I just think it goes to Trump. I don't, I just don't know what her pathway is as she marches towards February twenty fourth, which is the Republican primary for South Carolina. Obviously, by the Democrats is the third, but mm-hmm. you know, once South Carolina, once they come to South Carolina, does she really want to be embarrassed? Right. In her, as she calls it, her sweet home, South Carolina. There's a there, there's 178 endorsements in the state of South Carolina that have already gone to Donald Trump. So I gave you the big four, but you know the last two days: Nancy Mace, Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, and Henry McMaster. But there's a total of 178 different elected officials in the state of South Carolina at various levels throughout government that have endorsed Donald Trump, and that is in Nikki Haley's home state uh also trump on truth we got to give you this on the other side uh a really long-winded post going after nikki haley again um and he says and i'll just tease this and we'll get into this when we come back donald trump and i'm paraphrasing here has stated that anybody who donates to nikki haley from this moment forth is banned from maga is that going to bite trump in the keister We'll get into that when we come back. Kale and Company as we continue working our way towards what's on the cut sheet at 745 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're looking for a place to escape, uh, Parks Casino, the number one casino experience 
in the entire region, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Why? Because they really do have it all. It's my casino of choice. 3,200 state-of-the-art slots, 115 live table games, the best sports book on the entire East Coast, award-winning restaurants, New York's best club comedians every other Thursday night, and the best bands every single weekend only at 360 Lounge. You know I could go on and on. Parks Casino, the ultimate destination for all the action, a lot of excitement, entertainment, top headliners every weekend. America's top psychic medium, Matt Frazier. He's uh, on April 20th. Comedian Andrew Dice Clay, April 27th. Plus SNL's Colin Jost headlining February 16th and 17th. So he's coming up pretty soon. Comedian Nikki Glazier, March 9th. Singer-songwriter Emmylou Harris, March 22nd. Free parking, valet parking, EV charging stations, For all things Parks Casino, you want to visit ParksCasino.com, P-A-R-X, Casino.com. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Kale & Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. 855-839-1210 is how you climb in on social media at 1210 WPHD. And, of course, you can listen on the free Odyssey app and watch us on YouTube. So Donald Trump is going scorched earth on Truth Social. Surprise, surprise. But I want to read you this post because I don't understand what this accomplishes. I'm a Trump realist. Um, I don't drink the water, so to speak. I don't just fall in line with everything that he does and says. I've made that very clear from day one on this show. And I don't, you know, if you're going to come out, and this is what's frustrating. It's not a deal breaker with me by any stretch, but it could be to some. And in elections that are going to be super, 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 super close, I don't understand the point of this, because if you're going to try to unite, which is what you said in the last couple of days, and you've had moments where you've been very low key and welcoming, dare I say, inclusive, (laughs) I hate that word, just kidding, but I don't understand this post. Trump posts on Truth Social last night at 8.49 p.m. And you know, you know I'm not a Nikki Haley fan. I've made that very clear. Nikki Birdbrain Haley is very bad for the Republican Party and indeed our country. Her false statements, derogatory comments, and humiliating public loss is demeaning to true American patriots. Her anger should be aimed at her third-rate political consultants <laughs> and more importantly, Crooked Joe Biden, and even those that are destroying our country. Even when I get a little angry at Trump, I end up laughing as I read these things. Not the people who will save it. I knew Nikki well. She was average at best. Is not the one to take on world leaders, and she never did. That was up to me, and that is why they respect the United States. When I ran for office and won, I noticed that the losing candidate's donors would immediately come to me and want to help out. This is standard in politics. But no longer with me. Anybody that makes a contribution to Birdbrain from this moment forth will be permanently banned from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and will not accept them because we put America first and always will. I I don't understand in, in an election where there could be at this moment conservative women, moderate women, independent women that right now are in the camp of Nikki Haley that will eventually be of the belief that Nikki Haley's time has come and gone. 
and it's going to be Donald Trump's party, which, spoiler alert, it is, it always has been, it always will be, as long as Trump is viable as an option and has eligibility. Those people, I would think, and this is just my thought process, would probably or even possibly come on board and vote Trump, even if they don't love me, because they know the alternative is absolute garbage. Joe Biden is a failing politician. He is the worst president in our lifetime. So in an election in which Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Carolina, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, you look at a lot of these swing states where Joe Biden won by 0.3%, Wouldn't you want some of those people to come on board and join the MAGA movement against this, Joe Biden? Wouldn't you want that? This is politics, Nick. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying about not alienating people, especially, you know, in the world of razor-thin elections. But politics is, yeah, if you, I mean, this doesn't just happen with Republicans, it happens with Democrats, it happens with everybody. If you don't support, you know, you think somebody like Dean Phillips, you think somebody who worked on his campaign is going to be welcome in the Biden administration? Absolutely not. Well, do you think Trump's going to change his tune once Nikki does suspend the campaign? But I think this is about the donors. So I th- I think that with Trump, what he's saying, because he's the, he's the man, and, and at first, is this, because I, you know, we talk, we... I think we're, we're thinking to ourselves, why is he even talking about Nikki Haley? Why? I think this is not about Nikki. The latest thing that I think that Trump is saying is he's clearly the man. He's, he's the choice, right? Yes, he's, absolutely. He's, and, and I know, okay, by personal bias is obvious. I, he's my choice. I will admit to that. But oh, I'm so simply saying, same, same, same right? Same here. So, so I'm simply saying he's sending a message, I think, to the donors and supporters who are choosing her right now, mm-hmm. which is at, which is an annoyance to him, and he's saying, "Okay, this is it. This is your deadline." So, ac- in other words, access power. If you want to, you know, come to me at some point. Mm-hmm. No, I, and yeah. that's what he, he's he is trying to, as Greg is alluding to. I mean, he's staring down, and this is politics, but he's staring down the donors and and saying, "Look, I'm the man, and when I'm in the White House." You're not coming for a visit. I'm denying and, you access. And by the way, I think that is a smart thing yeah. for him because because he's not going to be then beholden to her donors, which are Wall Street, yep. the Koch brothers, all of that sort of big money corporate mm-hmm. nonsense which I get. that people are disgusted with. Right. He's not going to be beholden to them. He's like, no, I don't want you. I don't want your money. Well, and he's also got to be really ticked off about uh, the money situation right now because Nikki has all this money pouring in. Yeah. And here's Trump not only with money out on his campaign trail, but the amount of money he's having to waste in court with attorneys, he's probably, and look, I know he's got you know, bazillions of dollars, but like I said yesterday, everybody's got a breaking point and a threshold, and he's probably, you know, look, uh, Haba and these other attorneys, you think they're coming cheap? They're not charging 250 an hour. The CNB- Go ahead. CNBC is reporting that billionaire Reed Hoffman paused funding for Nikki Haley's campaign. And that's probably who Fox was alluding to that. But CNBC, I think, was the one who, who broke the story. Okay, which is big. Financials. So I think that already we're seeing the cracks in in her windshield, as it were, because they're caving under that pressure that we're talking about from Trump. Yeah. Robert Schwartz on the YouTube chat says, it does make you shake your head, like, why say it out loud? 
you know why. But I think there's a the difference here. It's all, I, I'm not a, I'm not mad at Trump for going after Haley's donors. Yeah, sure. I, I couldn't care less about these money men. I'm just saying you might need some of these Nikki primary voters. And I get it. We saw the dynamic. There's a lot of them in New Hampshire that were Democrat or independent or whatever with the you know the flipping of the party affiliation. But you know some of those actual true Republicans that are just more in favor of Nikki right now. You're going to want every single one of them to come yeah, vote yeah. Trump come the general. And to Robert's point. Uh, when has Trump not said the quiet part out loud? Yeah, I mean, right. It's part of his charm and maybe what is aggravating to Trump supporters. Sword. Right? Your, your strengths are your weaknesses. I mean, he says everything out loud. He, he does. He speaks his mind. Yeah. And he spoke his mind about Kaylee McEnany. Um, and we'll get to the cut sheet here coming up in about a minute or two. Um, telling Kaylee McEnany on social media that she's a rhino and that she should save your advice Zip for it. Nikki Haley. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, um, you know, McEnany has a show now, and we've, you know, didn't he? I think he called her Milk Toast McEnany a months ago when they got into a little spat before. And Kaylee McEnany was basically saying, and I'll just paraphrase, you know, you, you should basically shift your your narrative and your message right now if you're Trump to the general election because Nikki Haley is not going to be a real threat. And Trump didn't like that, so he blasted her, called her a rhino, and said, yeah, you save your uh, consulting opinions for Nikki, who needs it. But, you know, it's so funny because she she basically is paraphrasing exactly what Kellyanne Conway has been saying for a whole week. Yeah. Kellyanne can say it, and she always says it better, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I there, there was something in there that I think he got irked by. But I, well, you she, know what? He, he's irked because she said that Biden had a good night in New Hampshire with the write-ins. I think he was he was probably annoyed and, I don't know. Testy. I don't think in any way. I think Kelly McEnany to me has never has been la- anything but a loyal foot soldier. For has him. never been anything but a. And she chuckles. She does. She. I've. I've watched her when they ask her about it, and she chuckles at she it. She doesn't take it personally. She doesn't right. because she knows him right so well, and she's tough. She's a breast cancer survivor. She's worked for him. Like she gets him. So I really don't think it's any big. It's not a big deal. But I do think to the point of uh, Robert on the YouTube chat. Yeah. I do think that sometimes Trump, you know, look, he had an insane week, past two weeks, and sometimes I think he's up there at that microphone and he doesn't, he uh, he does not keep things close to the vest. I think he he was annoyed at a bunch of things, yep. and he bit, 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 and spat that out. Yeah, and, like a machine gun. Yeah, and, and Kelly McEnany knows that. Is that wise? Is that prudent? Well, you can say whatever you want to say, but yeah. that's, he's... He says it all. She said, quote, if I'm Trump, I sit back and I exclusively focus on the general election. I focus on number one, uniting the party and number two, winning the independence, which Nikki Haley won 55 to 39 percent. That's what I would do. End quote. I just want to point out no other person, no other human that I know at any age could go through the hell that he's being put through. The the constant persecutions, these constant court situations which are some of them are literally a joke and they're all being revealed and then on top of it you're on a a campaign trail that for many candidates past and present are have have been and are exhausted by yeah yeah desantis is uh 32 years younger and he was exhausted mustard mustard. he was weak he needed his condiments (laughs) 747 as we get to a thursday those heels gotta hurt right he probably has blisters and bunions (laughs) let's get to what's on the cut sheet what's on 
Sheets. Sheets. What's on the cut sheet on this what day are we? Thursdays brought to you by our good friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, where right now you can get a sensational 2023 S60 courtesy of Volvo for less than $29,000. These beautiful Volvos have less than 5,000 miles. Heard Cherry Hill Volvo today to get yours, Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Check them out on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Streaming live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. You can follow along on what's on the cut sheet. We play all the videos along with the audio if that is your fancy. Let's take a stroll. Let's let's get in our DeLorean, shall we? I love going down memory lane. So let's go back to 2007, okay? Uh, president Joe Biden was running for uh, president at the time. Now President Joe Biden. He was running for president in 2007. So this was a Democratic primary. And it was a primary on N, um, MSNBC. A voter asked him if he would allow sanctuary cities to exist. Okay, this was 17 years ago. What do you think his answer was? Hell no. <laughs> no uh, here's his answer right here. You're not 100% wrong. Okay. Uh, this is what he said. I'm going to start with cut 17 here. Phil, go. Would you allow these cities to ignore the federal law regarding the reporting of illegal immigrants and, in fact, provide sanctuary to these immigrants? The reason the cities ignore the federal law is the fact that there is no funding at the federal level to provide for the kind of enforcement at the federal level you need. Pick up the New York Times today. There's a city not far across the river from my state that imposed a similar sanctions. And what they found out is, as a consequence of that, their city went in the dumps, in, in, in the dumpster. Stores started closing. Everything started to happen. And they changed the policy. Part of the problem is you have to have a federal government that can enforce laws. This administration has been fundamentally derelict in not funding any of the requirements that are needed even to enforce the existing law. So, Senator law. Biden, yes or no, would you allow the cities to ignore the federal law? No. <laughs> as, Joe would, as Joe would say... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> the hell with that. The hell with that. Wow, first of all, 17 years ago looks like 170 years ago. Look how <laughs> dated that footage looks. I mean, Joe looked young. He sounded much better. You saw Obama on the far right side. Yeah, he's completely flipped the script on almost everything. You know, you think about where he was politically in the early to mid-2000s, certainly the mid-90s. I mean, he is a, he's gone from... I mean, there were people I remember when I was in, in college that called him kind of like a, a corporate Republican, even though he was nothing more than a moderate Democrat. But, I mean, he's gone far left wing. I mean, he sold his soul to get in the, back into the White House. I also love that the Internet is forever and there's always receipts. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just I love that about, like, the Internet. You can find stuff. Oh, from, yeah. His thoughts on uh, you yeah. know gay marriage well, back from the 90s. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. We are on... Not on uh, gay marriage, but uh, what about what were his thoughts on securing the border uh-huh. in the uh, early 2000s? This is then Senator uh, Joe Biden saying that he wants to use the Coast Guard and Navy and Navy to secure the border. Well, that would be racist today to do so. <laughs> um, this is let's see. Where are we at here? You have to forgive me. I'm I'm operating with, you know, one hand tied behind my back here as usual. Um, this is cut eight. Uh, this is cut six. Phil, go. We must stem the flow of drugs into our border and across our borders. This bill increases by one-third the current level of funding for interdiction at the border, 
including increased funding for Coast Guard and Customs Service personnel, which I might add, over the last six years have been cut. We've talked about a war on drugs, and we have cut, not increased, cut, the number of people we, in fact, say are supposed to be the ones at the bridge, blocking the enemy from crossing the, the river into our territory. Look at the hair. Yeah. Lack this bill he has more hair now. Assist Coast Guard <laughs> law enforcement teams to Navy ships to bring the Department of Defense more actively in assigns, I should say, Coast Guard law enforcement teams to Navy ships to bring the Department of Defense more actively into the fight against drug trafficking. Well, now, 17 years later, Joe Biden says, let the fentanyl come pouring on in. We'll have 73,000 Americans die from fentanyl in one calendar year. It's just, it's a complete flip. And if you played that clip today of him on the border, man, oh my God. what would his defense be? I have no idea. I mean, Peter Ducey, you, you remember back when we were in School Stalker where we would have, like, um, the um, education department leader would bring in, like, the Wielden TV with the yep. VCR for yep. movie day? Mm -hmm. Ducey should roll in <laughs> the next White House press briefing with one of those TVs <laughs> and pop a VHS in and play that for Corrine Jean-Pierre. Yeah. She'd have no answer. No answer. Well, ever, they don't have an answer now, but... Did you ever think about hair plugs, Nick Hale? No, and, no. and that, there's a reason for that. Okay. Joe Buck, uh, Fox Sports, uh, and I guess he's on Monday Night Football now, yeah. he had hair plugs, and he ultimately ended up having like um, some like paralyzed uh, vocal cord issues. So I, don't, I would never mess with that. But I'm, I'm not willing to fight uh, heredity, uh, genetics, and DNA. Like, I, I inherited my dad. So, like, once I realized it started going back, like, a half moon. Although they say they say that boys get their moms. It's not, that's not true. That's not true because yeah. my grandfather was bald at, like, 18. Oh. So. Yeah. No, my mom has, uh, my mom had a, 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 head of, a head of lettuce. She had hair for days. I get my, um, I get my locks from my father. He's, yeah. he's seven years old and still has a full head of hair. God, God bless him. Um, it means you have lower testosterone. What? Did you know that? Well, I'll have a solution for that in the coming wait, days. If, you, wait, wait, if you're wait, a guy, wait. this is a true story. If yeah, you're you a guy with high testosterone, yeah. that's what causes the hair loss. Oh, Nick. Low testosterone, huh? So you have high, so Nick Vic has high testosterone. I have high testosterone. Yeah, you have a lot yeah. of testosterone. Yeah, well, that's no, what causes yeah, the yeah. hair loss. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. I have, to, I have enough for if, if anybody's lacking in the testosterone department, I'll uh, withdraw some for you. Is that true? What <laughs> what kind of junk science is are you going by no, here, Don? Hey, you trust the Look science, Greg. Okay, Look right? it up. I am now we're going to cause a big debate. If you believe in science, <laughs> believe in me. As maybe, Tony Fauci once said. Maybe it's something that guys who lose their hair say, but I, I believe there is truth to it. It, it really... It, um, <laughs> Phil, I know you probably have 13,000 things going yeah, on, but at some point today, I would just love to have, even if we can just put it on social media... Just the freeze frame of Joe there with the brown hair, where he had basically no hair on the top of his head, and then a picture of Joe in 2024 with the full head of gray hair. Yeah. And just see the difference. <laughs> the color versus the thickness contrast. It's remarkable. He did have hair, but I never even thought about that. But I will tell you, now they they have advanced the technology, and it's they use a little pen, mm -hmm. and it's like amazing. Yeah, and there's like no doubt, hardly any downtime. And they do like little dots on your yep. head, right? Yeah, you I've take seen your people. own hair from the back, and it's yeah. like amazing. Yeah.
uh, sticking with the border. So that was that was uh, Senator Biden in the early 2000s. That may have, that may have even been the late 90s. I'm not exactly sure when that was, but that was Senator Biden saying that he would use the Coast Guard and the Navy to secure the border. Uh, Joe Biden, as president in 2004, uh, thinks differently. Uh, so this is a this this happened I I think yesterday or the day before Peter Ducey and John Kirby uh, went went at it over immigration because Ducey asked about uh, Joe Biden making it easier to enter the uh, the country illegally. This is cut five from yesterday. Phil, go. But what is the president's plan? This is happening just weeks after three hundred thousand people came into this country over the southern border illegally. The razor wire officials down there think was keeping some of them out and you guys just sued and won to remove it on, on behalf of the border patrol who needed who needed to have better access to it look let me go back to your other question and i i, I know i'm running short on time so i, I won't i won't filibuster here but <laughs> what's the plan please look at the stuff we've put forward the immigration reform uh, legislation that the president put forward on day one. The work we're doing in the region. Just last week, we had uh, Mexican officials here to talk about how together we have and will continue to try to stem the flow of migrants. You mentioned the, the numbers. No question there's a lot of people trying to make that journey, but it's not just to the United States. It's to other countries in the world, in the, in the region. We're seeing historic movement. Not, not since World War II have we seen this many people on the move in this hemisphere. And the Mexicans are really stepping up and trying to do the more, the, more on their southern border to keep that flow going north lower. And, and we have seen in recent weeks some success at that. The, the, the idea that we don't have a plan or a strategy or we're not taking this seriously is just not borne out by the facts. And, you know, again, if the, if, if the folks in the, on the House Republican side are, are serious about border security, and they claim they are, then they should act on the supplemental request and, you know, let's negotiate this in good faith. The president has said he's willing to make uh, compromises. He's willing to negotiate in good faith. So so let's let's have that t- discussion. Well, first of all, the, the Mexican government, that's a bunch of hogwash because they're corrupted by the cartel. So don't try to spin it that way, John Kirby, because nobody's buying that if you pay attention to who really runs that, that section of the world. Uh, secondly, you know, the facts are the facts because the numbers are the numbers and the numbers are indisputable. When you have over 302,000 in one month alone, mm-hmm. that is, that's just a staggering number. I, I mean, you think about there was what years where Trump were the, where the entire calendar year had what 70,000 and, and they're getting overran six times over overrun. in overrun by in one month. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kareem Trump here blamed Republicans for the the border crisis. Uh, this is cut to Phil Go. The president spoke to this last week uh, a little bit too. He said, you know, he he called out. He said to House Republicans, "Do you really want to actually fix this problem? Do you really actually want to uh, do the work that's needed to deal with the issue that we're seeing at the border? Do you really want to fix this immigration system?" I'm adding on to what the president said, but. That's a question for House Republicans. I think we have proven, Republicans in the Senate and Democrats in the Senate, have proven that we actually want to work on this issue, uh, on this broken system. And so, look, if they are real about this, if they want to fix this problem, then they would get involved. They would get involved. But they haven't, right? You heard me say back at the end of uh, last year, they left in the middle of December while negotiations were happening with Republicans in the Senate and the Democrats in the Senate. So... You know, this is a real problem. This is an issue that uh, Americans care about, and they want to see it done in a bipartisan way. That's what we're trying to do. 
that's what we're trying. I don't know why House Republicans continue to get in the way. The president spoke. To- Sorry. I, I love how I'll go back to John Kirby for a second, where he talked about legislation from day one when the Biden administration took over. That legislation has failed. But you talk about Kareem Jean-Pierre, about Republicans getting involved. They are getting involved. Ron DeSantis, Glenn Youngkin, Kevin Stitt, Christy Nome, Brian Kemp, Greg Gianforti, all basically joining uh, arm in arm with, with Greg Abbott about this issue. Um, you know, you talk about the razor wire and the buoys. I, I love how Kirby tries to spin it as if those, um, what would we call the razor wire and buoys? We would call those. Um, um, I'm trying to think of the word in the criminal justice system that deter deterrence. Deterrence is the yeah, word I was searching sure. for. Those are deterrents yeah. for you not to come. But if we're going to have you know federal agents cutting that stuff down, we're basically advertising that nope, we're reopening everything again. And if if Kareem Jean Pierre is going to sit there and say it needs to be done in a bipartisan way, then whoever asked that question needs to grill her and say. Okay, Kareem, mm-hmm. if that's the case, then what is the sticking point between D and R that they can't come to agreement on? Is it a money thing? Is it a legislation thing? What is preventing this um, completion of a bipartisan solution? And I, I would love to know what her answer is to that without her looking down at her binder and hemming and hawing. So this is a this is a video only. There's no um, sound to it. So, um, but we can describe it, uh, Nick. If you can pull up your your computer there. Got it. Uh, so yesterday or two days ago, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, the Biden that Biden can remove the razor wire on the border. And yesterday, the Texas National Guard defied the ruling and started installing more barriers and razor wires in Shelby Park. Yep. Uh, this is cut eight, Phil. Again, this, there's no audio of this. It's just video. So if yeah. you want to play that. Um, That's got to be, what, three feet high of razor wire? Yeah. Spiraling left and right, up and down. I mean, yep. and it's on top of like a metal and, graded fence. And you said it earlier, you know, Greg Abbott defying the supreme court and is going to keep doing it just yeah. to see what happens right? and and people fleeing mexico they don't care we've seen the video of them crawling across the razor wire yep. and ripping their flesh off i mean that's how bad they are um you know how desperate and hell-bent they are on getting into this country i'll tell you right now i'm not walking across razor wire for anything unless it was like saving my kids lives and that's about it Aww. the just looking at Texas headlines, local headlines. Yeah, I'm curious what they're... The head of Customs and Border Protection there speaking out on, on media like in Austin, Texas, and those news markets saying that there's no set timeline timeline to remove the razor wire put in place at the southern border by Texas. So, in other words, even though the SCOTUS ruled and said, yes, there's even though this is a, this is a state's rights Supreme Court, there is precedence here you know what i mean for the federal government so they've sided with the feds and to say no this is a federal issue however cbp is in the middle of this Mm -hmm. and their head says they don't have a they're not removing they've not removed it yep per the scotus order they're kind of i think caught in between the state and the federal the Mm -hmm. feds yep and they've said "We, we haven't removed it and we don't have a timeline to do so what a cluster it really is. It really is. <laughs> it's so unbelievable. Um, Which is why you, like, you just have to laugh when you hear Trump say he's going to build a dome <laughs> to prevent you know, nuclear attacks. I'm thinking, like, we can't even get the wall completed for, it, for whatever it's worth, and we're going to build a dome. It's interesting to me because you would think that, you know, a governor of a state, um, you know, one of their biggest jobs 
is protecting that state. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, it's like I said, uh, Greg Abbott's doing a great job protecting the citizens of this country by putting up this fight. But first and foremost, he's concerned about his his constituents. Of course. His state. You're you're absolutely right. And Nick, to your point here, just the latest, I'm looking at their local coverage, so I, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to get them, because they're obviously, this is their focus. They're in local, the thick of it, yeah. yeah. So the, the the Texas Military Department, they've said that they continue to be concerned about the safety and security of the state of Texas. They say, quote, this was late last night, we remain resolute in our actions to secure our border and basically preserve the sovereignty of our state. Remember Texas fairly recently, their proposals by by some to say, all right, we're seceding. We've had it. Here we go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Um, John Kirby, uh, was on with Martha, uh, with Martha McCallum yesterday, uh, Phil going to cut 10 here. Um, they got into a little testy exchange, uh, with the White House spokesperson. Look, John Kirby, I, you know, you and I have said, Nick, that we believe that he's the best spokesperson for, he speaks the best yeah. out of. The, In an administration yeah. that's a PR speaking nightmare, he's the best. This is a, uh, this is a no-win situation for him because he has to go there and defend it. Uh, be, and we know that it's, there's nothing that he can defend, but he tries here. This is cut 10, Phil. Uh, go. There's no lack of urgency. He's been president for three years. This is not just the same old immigration issue we've had going on for a decade, as he said the other day. These are record numbers all the time. And people in Iowa and New Hampshire are the ones who are expressing concerns about it. This isn't Arizona and Texas. This is Iowa and New Hampshire. So, you know, I I don't think that people sense that there is an urgency to address this. In fact, I I talked to lots of voters over the past few weeks who said they think the opposite is happening. They're trying to figure out why the president wouldn't do what he can to stop it. Well, that's why I'm glad I'm here with you, so I can try to explain some of that. I mean, he has taken some executive actions, but there's a limit to what executive action can do. And we really need support from Congress. We really need additional legislative action here, new laws. And quite frankly, on day one, he put forward a new immigration reform proposed legislation that hasn't been acted on. So we gotta we got to act in partnership with uh, with Congress. And I'll tell you, the, the discussions uh, that we're having on the Senate side, they're progressing well. I won't get ahead of it. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but but they're they're moving yeah. along well and we're negotiating. No, in not, good I mean faith. they're not. I, I mean they're not is what we're hearing that that they're they're not really moving along well. And you know you say that he's been concerned about it for three years, but that's failing obviously because when you have well, look, record think, numbers think, of people coming in, that means the policy is failing. So why not change gears and think, try to do something that works? I think it's important to put this in context, too, Martha. You're seeing, as you rightly said, record numbers of people, and it's not just the United States that are facing that pressure. Some, uh, Lots of countries in the hemisphere, including Mexico, is facing a lot of pressure at their own southern border. I mean, there are more people on the move in this hemisphere right now than there has been since World War II, and it's a lot John, of do we reasons have a border? Do we have a southern border? Do we have a what? Do we have a southern border? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Of course we do. Then how come people can flow across it every single day? We Hundreds and thousands very, of people over the court, 300,000 people in December. We're working very hard to try to fix that, Martha. That's why we need congressional action. That's why the president asked for additional funding, more you know, $6 billion in the supplemental to try to get border security enhanced. I mean, I think we, I, you and I are obviously not going to see uh, the, the policy solutions the same way, and I respect that. Well, I'm just that. looking for but results. Idea, I'm saying if, if you're concerned about the number of people the, crossing, you're not getting results. The idea so at some point you have to say, we've got to do something different. 
Yep. Now, the idea that we haven't looked at this and tried to work on this and trying to work in, in concert with, with Congress is just not true. We are. This is a complicated issue, and it's going to require a real team approach, not just from the executive branch, but from the legislative branch as well. Martha McCallum taking a flamethrower to John <laughs> Kirby's hair. Uh, that was phenomenal. And usually, this is not Martha. I mean, Martha no. is you know very measured and very proper and generally doesn't it doesn't go that hard especially somebody like John Kirby yeah but i ju- i simply think that i mean that was he that was bull s right. what he was saying clearly biden has a pathway where mm-hmm. with the stroke of a pen through executive powers could declare an emergency particularly with the latest data of all the gotaways not the ones holding up their hands saying we want asylum the gotaways the dangerous mm-hmm. the terrorist list that we've talked about day in and day out yeah clearly biden has a pathway with his pen and for Kirby with a straight face mm-hmm. to say, oh, no, we're working with con- Congress. Give me a break. You you look at uh, Dana Perino. You look at Sandra Smith, Martha McCallum. Those shows in those time slots from 9 to 3 p.m., they're not the opinion-driven, no. argumentative, combative debate-type shows. They're the straightforward news, a little bit of opinion, sure, but she went after him because he was giving lip service, which I thought was great. Which Think about this for a second when we talk about razor wire and barbed wire. So we can't have barbed wire at our southern border to prevent drug dealers, smugglers, cartels, terrorists from entering our country. But Bob's junkyard down on Ninth and Johnson can have razor wire atop of their wall so you can't jump in to steal a 2004 Honda Civic. What world prisons. are we? What prisons? World, prisons. Uh, you have a better chance of protecting your home yeah. or your local delicatessen in a rough area where you can put like metal rails up on your door, uh, carry a gun. But yet at the southern border, we 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 treat you like it's daycare. <laughs> yeah, it's I, madness. You know, and I know that they're saying in Texas this is not over. They're, the court rulings go on and on, and this ruling in particular, the feds were saying. We're not able to to do to enforce our federal immigration laws. Yeah. Okay. And it was a five four ruling, so it was not a slam dunk. I think they're going to go back. And Texas has said this is not over because you know what the the people who are the asylum seekers they want to go where there's a path. They don't. You know, they're not purposely trying to go where there's razor wire. The razor wire is clearly there for the folks who are trying to be a gotaway. And why? Why is that? What What are the numbers of the Godaways? It's like 80 a day or mm-hmm. something, 80 every... I mean, the numbers are staggering. Yep. So that's who they're trying to prohibit. Jim uh, Jim O'Connell on uh, Twitter just tweeted us and said, technically, the Supreme Court said the federal government can remove the razor wire. They didn't rule that Texas couldn't put up razor wire. Oh, so we're just going to play the game of Texas is allowed to put it up, but then we can take it down? That's the, is that if that's the interpretation, then we're just do this is nothing more than a charade. Then locally, you can put it up. Federally, you could take it down. We're just going to keep going back and forth. It's going to be a wasted exercise. But that's so. So think about it. So so CBP is not taking it down, though they're not, and so that to me, in and of itself, is is significant. So the Biden administration was using this for a ruling. But those there on the ground, mm-hmm. nobody has cut it. They could take wire cutters and start cutting it down. Yeah. Nobody is. Why is that? Right. So that, to me, just reveals the discrepancy from people who know what's going on at the ground level 
and an administration that wants a win that's a narrow, a very narrow ruling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so the administration can say, we got to win. Yeah. It, it's so bad. I don't know if you saw the video that was being circulated last night on television, all, all the news outlets. The, the, the airport in Boston has migrants living in terminals. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, you walk down like a, a terminal, you know, C2, mm-hmm. C3, C4. You're, you're walking down, you pass your little, little coffee shop, the little bar, the restaurant, the little deli, uh, the magazine stand. And there's nothing but people with sleeping bags. And and these aren't people that are traveling, that aren't, you know, that aren't sitting in a chair in the little section where they wait to board their flight. These are migrants that have been sent to Boston that have just opened up camp in the airport. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, people are already on edge and unhinged at airports, right? We see it every day. We see the videos of viral stuff on on, on flights that go on social media. You know, people are just agitated. I don't know what it is, but airports just trigger people. People have no patience once they arrive at an airport. And now having migrant issues, can't. I mean, they're literally setting up shop. I, and I don't know how long they stay there for. Well, Hours? I, days? And to your point, I mean, that's why people are infuriated as far as... Think about all the TSA stories we have with all the strict rules and the fact that illegal immigrants can fly with this app that they've created. And so you can have this alternate form of ID. The rest of us as citizens have to have all this, you know, mm-hmm. follow all these rules. Yeah. But for some bizarre reason, the, this administration says, no, we've got some special sets of rules for you if you've come across. Yeah. The, the crosswalk you, uh, illegally. And you've talked about the uh, the story recently with measles, and we had the story about the measles in the airport. So now think about this. Airports are filthy to begin with. I, <laughs> I've said this for years. Yeah. The two dirtiest places, in my in my opinion, are, are airports and casinos. Just every I walk out, I just feel dirty. Not parks, though. No, not parks. Parks are smoke-free. That's why I go there a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I win. Uh, so, anywho... Uh, you go through these airports, and they're just disgusting, right? It's just you just want to use hand sanitizer. I'm not saying I would wear a mask in an airport, but you know, um, they're dirty. And now you have migrants that are coming up illegally. They're in airports. Um, who knows what they've been vaccinated for or vaccinated against? And it's just and oh, by the way, the sheer volume of people that travel through an airport, all the stuff that we're spreading, they're dirty enough as it is. A disaster. And and not not to mention the fact that that CBP one app. So they give them a phone because we've seen, we've talked about that a lot. They give them a phone. So basically, they take the the folks were they take them at their word for this. So I, I mean, hello terrorism. I, I just think <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yep. So you had you have all these U.S. citizens. You have to show all kinds of ID, et cetera, et cetera. But these folks can get on an airplane with an app where they've said they've answered it whatever way they want with mm-hmm. no other requirement. Yeah. Wow. You know how they do like man on the street for certain radio shows and stations? Yeah. Yeah. We should do like a uh, Kale at the border. Like send me down. <laughs> I'll go down to Mexico. Like I'll come up through the border. Kale I'll crawl border. across razor wire and then I'll report back with a big take. I love it. And show what? How easy it is to get across? <laughs> and how my skin has been destroyed <laughs> yeah. by razor wire. And then yeah. you'll get whooped by all the coyotes. Yeah. All right. Well, Philadelphia is not a border city or town although maybe i mean do we want to we want to keep the people from new jersey from getting yeah, here right yeah, especially camden yeah um so yesterday or maybe it was the day before uh philadelphia city leaders unveiled a new policy framework a blueprint for a safer philadelphia 
Yeah, this might be the big take tomorrow, by the way. I know, um, I know where you're going here. So uh, you, there's there's a video uh, that we got from Fox 29, and then there's also a part in this blueprint uh, that I want to discuss with Nick Hale and Don Stenson. Let's, first, let's do the Fox 29 report. This is the blueprint for a safer Philadelphia cut 19 Phil Go. At City Hall, Councilmember Curtis Jones handed over the blueprint for a safer Philadelphia to incoming Mayor Sherelle Parker. We know we can use this to develop what we're going to refer to as our action plan. Jones chairs the Committee on Public Safety and says in September, more than 140 stakeholders from the community developed public safety recommendations during a crime summit at St. Joseph's University. Not to point fingers at each other. But to point fingers at solutions. Mm. The blueprint has over a hundred recommendations in education, poverty, health, and beyond. Here's one of the uh, recommendations in there, and Phil, if you could bring up uh, this, this is combating institutional white racism. Yes, um, an entire section dedicated. Yep, to fighting the boogeyman. Can. Nick, are you able to read? I am. Okay. Yeah. I love how, according to the plan, their their solution is that the crime rate will go down. Basically, what they're saying, when there are less white teachers in Philadelphia, <laughs> and every teacher takes DEI training. So, all right, here we are. It's January 25th. Honeymoon is over. Sherelle Parker's going to be tough on crime. Okay. I'll let that play out. But Sherelle Parker... Anything different, really, than the last administration? This is the type of story that I would be railing on in a segment from Chicago in the show or San Francisco. Yes, we need less white teachers. More teachers of color need to be hired to work in schools and administrative positions. All educational employees should attend anti-racism training focusing on unconscious bias and racism. That's the solution as... as uh, Yes, unconscious. You, you're racist, you just don't know it, is what they basically are implying. The next steps. In addition to police officers, schools should hire culturally competent social workers. Legislators and political officials need to uh, collaborate with schools and nonprofit organizations to address microaggressions and increased acts of both hate and violence. It, mm. You can read that. It's uh, it's up right now on our YouTube uh, uh, chat, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHD if you want to see the actual wording of mm-hmm. combat white institutional racism. You know what the really the root cause, and nobody ever really wants to talk about it, and I don't know why, because it's really not a controversial subject. If we're talking about the school system and well, we're going to have culturally cognizant social workers to deal with children... You know what a big reason is for children that are defiant that end up being bad seeds or being criminals or whatever it is? Lack of fathers. Like, it starts at a very early age. And this is where men need to be ripped. Men, if you if you create a child, be a man Agreed. and be a part of your kid's life. Mm-hmm. At a very minimal level, financially paying your child support. But at least teaching your son and or your daughter, for that matter, like the basics, common sense, courtesy, respect, um, because mom can't do it all by herself. If mom has to work two or three jobs, mom can't be there all the time. This is why kids need to be in structured settings 
why they need to play sports, things like that, to create discipline. But, like, at the root cause, a lot of the time, you know, no matter what the uh, criminal defendant's race or gender is, whatever their sexual orientation is, there's a good chance that that person did not have a dad in their life, or they had a dad and he was just a foul ball. <laughs> it's, an old, it's, an old, it's an old phrase by my old man. Okay. He's a foul ball. Yeah. But I, but I think, ultimately, these are Democrat policies going back decades, which have have come in between families and so mom with the kids if dad is not living there in the picture and you'll hear the wording well where do you stay it's because if dad and mom are living together they actually get less government funding and get less welfare essentially Mm -hmm. and so and and this is big money yeah. And so ultimately, if dad if dad is working, but he's not living and they're not married and he's not living there, mm-hmm. then mom gets a boatload of money per child. Yeah. And these are Democrat policies that I know were at, the, at their core initially were meant to um, were meant to be compassionate. But they've had the opposite effect and they're ripping families apart. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're punishing the dad's. Who and moms who are married and or just partners living together as a family. Yeah, this might be a, a deeper big take for tomorrow, but I'll just wrap up this content in this subject that we're talking about by saying this to Sherelle Parker. Sherelle, DEI doesn't work. It fails every time. Find the most competent people for any of your policies, any of your initiatives, school-related, crime-related or not. Enough with the DEI garbage. You just fired the DEI officer of the police department a few weeks ago that was making 170 grand. And then rehired <laughs> the young lady yesterday, the 25-year-old making 130 Gs a year and getting her master's, going to school and getting her master's at Drexel. Mm-hmm. But I will say that that blueprint that you're talking about, yeah. wasn't that, that was Dwight Evans, right? That, that's been going on for years that... That started with Dwight Evans. So I will say this is not something new that Sherelle Parker has initiated. Mm-hmm. It's something that they received federal dollars for yep. that they've been getting for, I'll say, eight, seven, eight years. And that was that was a big thing with Dwight Evans. He got that federal grant years ago. Okay. Uh, Star Max, who I believe is a troll, but it makes a interesting point on the YouTube chat, says, a perfect heterosexual family. That's what America needs, Nick says. Perfect hetero. No, I actually need fathers or, okay, in, in 2024, two women raising a child. I need them, whoever is the dad in the relationship, I need that person to be hold their kid accountable. Like, it's called parenting. Like, yeah. don't, it, you know, make sure they go to school. Make sure they're respectful. They respect their elders. Uh, they're in, a, in an organized act. It doesn't even have to be a sport. It could be a club. Could be, uh, you know, a debate team, anything like that, some sort of structure. And oh, by the way, don't raise them to be cowboy fans. It's all about being a good parent. <laughs> Parenting matters. No, but to the to the you the uh, to the person on YouTube, I would say this: a, a functional family. So maybe uh, let's take let's take Barack Obama. Barack Obama's dad and mom were not necessarily living together. He, like a lot of American kids, he was actually raised. By the constant in his life, his grandparents. Yeah, grandparents are a huge factor. So the, the so in other words, there are a lot of families. Yeah. you know, I'm sure listening, there are a lot of grandparents who are the constant in the lives of mm-hmm. their kids. And my dad is that for my sister, quite frankly, she's yeah. divorced. Dad not in the picture as much. Could be an uncle. So so it's 
it's not necessarily, we're not talking about a traditional family. Yeah. And, and this is, there are studies, there are decades long studies that support what we're saying. Mm-hmm. That, that a stable family environment that's supportive and what that might look like, grandparents, caregivers, whatever. Yep. I mean, heck, there are a lot of dysfunctional, quote unquote, heterosexual sure. married mm-hmm. men and women who yeah. are a disaster. Right. So it could be a pastor at your church. It could be your football coach. There's a lot of people that you can lean on for for these types of things. Doesn't have to always be the the Brady Bunch family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Star Wars. I don't know. Star Trek. Sorry, I. Okay. I move on once I read the comments. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, uh, speaking of people who have no chance, Chris uh, uh, Nunu was on Jake uh, Tapper talking about Nikki Haley. Chris Nunu says that Nikki Haley only has one more hill to climb, and that's to beat Trump in her home state uh, of South Carolina. She hasn't. Like, can I just say one thing? Yeah. All the hills she's climbed. She's fallen back down. Yeah, she, I, she hasn't won any states yet. If, if, I, if I'm Chris Sununu, I'm taking like a skiing vacation for the next 10 days. <laughs> After all the time and effort and energy he put into Nikki uh, Haley to get what? <laughs> he could beat by 34,000 votes? Getting mighty deep in here. Uh-huh. This is cut 11, Phil. Go. Sure. But there's a big glaring weakness. Um, according to CNN's exit polls from last night, registered Republicans overwhelmingly supported Donald Trump. 74% for him, 24% for Governor Haley. If you can't win registered Republicans or even compete, how do you win the Republican nomination for president? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> well, again, two states down, 48 to go. It's only become a one-on-one race uh, literally in the, in the past couple of weeks. She's really ramped up the attacks on him. I know that drives him crazy, but the fact is he does not have a strong record. And he is the incumbent. Let's face it. He's effectively the incumbent president. So that's a hard hill to climb to for sure. But she's but every time there's a hill in Nikki Haley's way, she climbs it. She knocks it down. She pushes everybody out of the race. So she's been able to have a lot of success where no one thought she was able to have it. She's got one more hill to climb, and that's to beat that's to beat Trump in her home state. Nikki's breaking those glass ceilings state by state, one by one. She's not doing any of that. I think it's time for Chris just to shut it down. Kim Reynolds, your endorsement didn't work for DeSantis in Iowa. Uh, you know, the Doug Burgums of the world. like A lot of these guys that are out there that have made, have made a little bit of a noise in, in these primaries over the last X amount of months. They're just, uh, i tell you what. I, if this is, I can only speak for me. If I was Chris Sununu, yeah. I'd go off the grid. I just shut yeah. it down. Just get back to yeah. governing your state. Uh, let Nikki and Nikki's done with your state. She's on the south. This is a Henry. Well, you can't even say it's a Henry McMaster thing because he's endorsed Trump. So he was basically by her side for a year. It's, he's like, he was like her caddy on a golf course. <laughs> he was carrying the bag for her. Uh, one more, and then we have to break. Nikki Haley. Uh, Kristen Nunes says that Nikki Haley doesn't have to win South Carolina. Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina are just filtering states. Right. So <laughs> if, if we're keeping track, Nikki doesn't really need to win any state. She just needs to keep, you know, keep on pushing on. Yeah, it's just she just needs to be bankrolled. Right? That's the whole thing. It's, it's like the imagine saying the Eagles. Oh, the Eagles don't need to win this week. Well, they don't need to beat Washington next week. No, they don't need to beat the Jets the following week. I've never seen. I've never like. It's over. Just, just, just put the fork in it. You know, try again in twenty twenty eight. Let's, you know, whatever. But come on. Yep. Uh, cut nine, Phil, go. Does she have to win in South Carolina? I mean, I can't understand uh, the motivation for a candidate who doesn't win the first three contests. (laughs) Don't you think it's a do or die there? I I don't, and I'll tell you why. Ah. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina 
are always the filtering states, if you think of it that ah. way, right? We always want to narrow filtering. it down. It's a tributary to the big way river. faster than anyone thought. I do think when you get to Super Tuesday, you have to win. you got to win some states in Super ah. Tuesday. So now I don't think uh, uh, South Carolina it. is a must win, but I have no doubt she's going to do very, very well there. We're on the so march. She's very well. What is, so now we're punting to Super Tuesday. We 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 didn't win anything in January. <laughs> February's will wash. We'll see you on March fifth. <laughs> That's when we will pull the rug out from under the, from the MAGA base. Oh my, oh my God! Never seen anything like it, guys. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Oh man. I mean, that's like Greg Stocker rolling into an Odyssey meeting with the bosses and saying, yeah, Kale and Company, we, we didn't achieve much in September in the ratings. Uh, we didn't do well in the October book. Uh, it, but come come that holiday book, you just wait. <laughs> you just wait, Yagaroff. We will come through. By the way, the holiday book was great. but nobody, well, Every book is great. Well, we nobody do. counts it because yeah. it's, you know. That's right. I've I, lost track of how many books I, I've had that are great. Everybody listens to... <laughs> Christmas music. We're like Trump. Holidays. We're just racking up the endorsements <laughs> exactly. left and right. All right. That'll do it for round one of the cut sheet at 828. Uh, we will come back. I'm actually sweating today. It's good that we're back into the 40s and 50s. It's been a while since I've sweated doing a radio show. I miss that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Okay. A little perspiration. I'll towel off. We'll come good back. Job. Don will get to a big three. And then we have to get to uh, how bad it's getting for CNN. And also, I think after like a year and a half of tinkering around, they have found the solution, at least for one day a week. We'll get to that as we continue. <laughs> Kale and Company. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings 6 till 10 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the free Odyssey app.